this message um, is bouncing off of last week. Who was here last week for my last word of the series? Waymaker. Some of you were here. Um, last week, if you weren't here last week, last week I talked about how um, how Jesus is Jesus is the light and he shines in those dark places. And I uh, I preached on that. And there was a phrase that I said that that like 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 shocked some of y'all. Y'all were like, man, I didn't know that sounded really good. And and I said, I talked about guarding your heart. And I talked about how if you would treat your soul like a city or your heart like a city, I mentioned what's the crime rate. I mentioned that last week. Like what is the what is the condition of your heart, your soul? What's the condition of it? And some of y'all responded pretty well. So I wanted to take the whole thing and make it into a message tonight. Um, uh, it's been in my mind all week. I literally typed it all out yesterday. Yesterday was exhausting. Ask Sarah. I, I, I went to her house the, the yesterday and I was just like, don't talk to me. <laughs> my mind was so flushed trying to read the whole word and trying to, trying to type this out, but I was able to get it done and I'm excited to preach it to you. So just pay attention and keep your mind, keep your mind in the mode of learning something. Now, like I said, this is, I'm not trying to teach you history. I'm not trying to teach you how to, how to tie your shoes. But what I'm teaching you tonight is a principle that I think a lot of us were not taught. And that's what I want to talk about. And it's on the topic of guarding your heart, matter of fact, your soul. And I want to talk about that tonight. But it, I want to start with the passage that I wanted to use. This is in Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, And the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall with no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors in the gates. So recap, what's happening right now in Nehemiah is that Nehemiah is narrating, he just finished the wall of of Jerusalem. And you have these these three other areas, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, and they are specifically seeing him make progress with Jerusalem. But once he started making progress, they were confused. And so they decided to call him out and invite him to a meeting. And I want to keep reading for that part. So Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But I realized that they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great Work. Another translation says, I'm doing a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Verse 4 says, four times they sent the same message. Each time I gave the same reply. And the coolest thing about this is where he says in verse 3, I am engaged in a great work. So Nehemiah knew he was doing a great work for God. But as he was making progress with God in the walls of Jerusalem, his enemies had an invitation once they saw him making progress. And I learned something. So Nehemiah right now, and I want to bring this into your mind right now. I want to bring this into your heart right now. As as Nehemiah is rebuilding Jerusalem, I believe God wants to rebuild your soul. Let me say that again. He is rebuilding Jerusalem. Walls, doors, everything. But I believe in this context, what I'm talking about tonight, God wants to rebuild your soul. And that's why last week I said your soul or your heart is like a city. 
and God wants to rebuild your soul. If your soul is like a city, let's go through these things again. What is the crime rate? What is, what does the economy look like in the heart of your soul? The city. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about, when I talk about soul, I talk about your mind, will, and emotions. Now, I'm not talking about your spirit. Your spirit, that's perfect. When you gave your life to Christ, your, your spirit became intertwined with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not make mistakes. The Holy Spirit does not have any glitches. The Holy Spirit does not buffer. The truest part of you, if you know Jesus, you know that your spirit through the lens of the Holy Spirit is perfect. So there's nothing wrong with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is is perfect in all of its ways. But God wants to rebuild that part of your soul that people miss. And I'm talking about your mind, will, and emotions. I'm talking about these three categories. And so, so like, for example, when you do something crazy, right, and you say, oh, no, I'm just keeping it real. No, you're not actually. Because that's not your new nature anymore. That's the you that you remember. So when you do crazy things, it's not really you. That's the old you. But to get into this new way of thinking, to get into the new nature of Christ, God has to deal with not your spirit, but your soul. Your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. Your spirit is already perfect when you received Christ. But your soul needs some working on. And that's why I wanted to use Nehemiah building the walls of Jerusalem as a way building a city called your soul. And you have to learn this way of thinking. So when I talked about, you know, the economy of your soul, how them gas prices in your soul, how do you have, do you have a poverty of compassion? Do you have a poverty of empathy? Only seeing a perspective that you can see, but you can't see somebody else's, even though you're right. Poverty of empathy. Because, because I want to tell you this. God has given you a specific job to protect your soul. You have been, listen to this. You have been elected mayor of your soul. Watch this. To develop and defend what God gives you. He wants you to protect your soul. So that's why I ask you, how is your soul? How is your mind? How is your will? What are your motives? What, how is your emotions? Do you see the emotions as an indicator or do you see your emotions as the final word of every decision that you will ever make in your life? How is your soul? And I, and I, and I read this and, I, and maybe some of you have heard the scripture before. Proverbs 25, 28, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. So that tells me if I don't learn the fruit of the spirit, which is self-control, I have broken walls. Anything can get in. Anything coming, any feeling, any thought, any impulse, any emotion, anything I want to do, anything I want to say, it can come through. But that happens when you don't realize that your soul is a city. And that you have the responsibility to defend it. You have the responsibility from God as a new nature in Christ to defend the city called your soul. So how is your soul? Don't say it right now. For some of us, we're kind of afraid to kind of leap that out there. But for me, my soul's good sometimes, obviously. 
because you're like a, you, you're always good, Jacob. You're a pastor. It's always good. Not always good. Sometimes I let certain poverties in. Sometimes the crime rate in my mind about when I think about other people or when I think about myself, it goes up. It's violence in my brain sometimes. And maybe it's for you as well. So here's my question about Proverbs 25, 28. Put it back up, Abby. Is it up there already? Okay. A person without self-control is like a city with broken walls. Does that scripture apply to you or are you doing really well? Because, because listen, I see, I see your drip. I see how you see how I dress for the first time in a long time. I'm wearing shorts so y'all can see my meaty calves. <laughs> I see your smile. I see your charisma, your upbeat. But I'm not talking about what's this. I'm talking about what's going on with this. And that's where God really wants to deal with. God doesn't want to deal with the smile. He doesn't want to deal with the charisma. That's all good and dandy. That's all good and perfect. But when it comes to your soul, because listen, I'm the type of person that likes to be giddy up. Sometimes I like to just have fun, not worry about anything. I just want to hang out and just chill, right? But then there's another part of me that's a perfectionist, a complainer, a wailer. I wail, y'all, like a wail. I wail. And it's annoying. Because because I don't want it to, but sometimes maybe I'm not watching my soul. Y'all tracking with me? It's like I'm not watching my soul right now, and I'm just letting anything get in. Self-control makes walls, but no self-control breaks those walls. So what are you letting in? What are you letting into your soul? Anything can get in when you don't see your soul as a city. And realize you have the responsibility to defend it. You have the responsibility for your soul to defend it. God has made you perfect in spirit. Your, your spirit is going to make it to heaven. But your soul on earth might be shaken up. Now, I wish I could tell you different. I wish I could tell you by 21 years old that you'll that somebody's going to walk into your life and they're just going to help you with all your dysfunctions and problems and dark thoughts and all this stuff and they'll make you happy and whole but the reality is is that if you are in their half and you go in there thinking they'll make you whole they won't make you whole they will make your life a living hell knowing that they don't meet the needs but God does so I got to work on my city I got to work on myself. I got to work on these walls because I'm relying on somebody else to do something that only me and God can really see. Nobody else can really see it. I can't see your, I can't see your soul. That'd be weird. That'd be really weird. I would be making faces probably. <laughs> be like, what? You thought about that? You said that in your mind? I do those things too. Your soul is hidden but it's only you and God that really see it. And I wonder what that city looks like. I wonder what it looks like. You got to work on yourself. I want to reach this final passage before I get into the title. I haven't even said the title yet, but I'm trying. Nehemiah chapter seven. This is a chapter afterwards. What happened was, was that Nehemiah didn't install the wall, the doors. The walls were up. Jerusalem was somewhat protected but there were no doors. There was no doors. Nehemiah chapter seven. So the, so the enemies 
attacked him. The enemies tried to go to war with Nehemiah. In verse 1 through 3 in Nehemiah chapter 7, After the wall was finished, I had set up the doors and the gates. The gatekeepers, singers, the Levites were all appointed. I gave the responsibility of governing Jerusalem to my brother Hananiah, along with Hananiah and Hananiah, the commander of the fortress. For he was a faithful man who feared God more than most. I said to him, do not leave the gates open during the hottest part of the day. And even while the gatekeepers are on duty, have them shut and bar the doors. Appoint the residents of Jerusalem to act as guards, everyone on their regular watch. Some will serve at the sentry post and some in front of their own homes. Now, I want you to look to your neighbor. Look at them in the eye. Be all sentimental. If you have a neighbor. If you don't have a neighbor, look at yourself. Take a mirror out. Look at yourself. And tell them my title. Tell them it's your door. It's your door. Year door. Y'all heard year done? Year door. Year door. Your door. Maybe y'all didn't have this as a kid. Maybe maybe it was just me. But how many of y'all have had parents who who fuss at you for having the front door open when you go play outside in and out? How many of y'all? Y'all embarrassed? I'm not. So so I thought about it because I was like, I was like, man, I hate it when my mom would do that. Like my mom would fuss that the door was open. She's she, she said this one time. She was she was like, I'm trying to remember how to say because I don't want to mess it up. She said something like, "You trying you trying to you trying to cool out the outside?" I'm like, "Huh? Cool the outside? I don't think we have the capacity or the money for that to cool the outside." But she would say stuff like she would say something like, uh, "Keep the door shut. You're letting the cool out, right?" Or she'll say, like, uh, shut the door. You're letting the flies in. I'm like, Mom, am I letting the cool out or letting the flies in? Because that don't work together. Because one's blowing air out, and how the flies going to come in if it's against? Check that, Mom. Checkmate. That's my logic. That's my imagination. <laughs> so, so shut the door. You're letting the air out. And I think I'm going to do that one day. I think, I think once I become a parent... I'm going to do the exact same thing. I might, I, might, I, might, I might be a little agitated if my child keeps the door open the whole time. Because one, one of the things I started realizing, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not blowing air out. We're blowing money out. That's like, because AC is not cheap anymore. AC is expensive, so you're just blowing money out. I just thought about that, and then I was like, oh, I get it now, Mom. I get it now. I understand why you tell me to close the door and not leave it open, right? Well, Something about that brought me to a conclusion about what we just talked about in Nehemiah chapter 6 and chapter 7. I wonder if we would be more concerned about what we let in our heart. Because we can talk about, oh, you let the flies in. Well, you let the fear in. Not too worried about that. Not too worried about letting the fear in, the worry in. It's what you let in your heart, and watch this, what you let out your mouth. Well, Jacob, I don't like that. That's a little mean. Jesus not Christ-like. Well, Jesus said whatever comes out of your mouth is what defiles you, because your words have power. And it's what you let in your heart and what you let out your mouth. It's what you let out your mouth. It's your door. 
what you let out your mouth. Everybody do this. Cover your mouth. If you have a mask on, you don't have to. You're already covered by the blood of Jesus. Cover your mouth. This is your door. Now do this. Don't poke your eye. This is your door. Watch this. One more. This is your door. That. In that big elephant brain you got sitting in that head that knows all that math and science is also a door. It's also a door. Those are doors. And and this, (laughs) this is like the door of all doors. It's like painted gold with lions on it. This is this is the door. These are all doors, but this is also a door. You have doors. Jacob, what are you talking about doors for? I'm talking about these doors. Your mind, will, emotions, these are your doors. I want to show you this back in verse 1, Nehemiah 6, verse 1. Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained. Though we had not set up the doors at the gate yet. So this is what's happening. So Nehemiah is making progress for God. He's making progress. But then he gets sent an invitation from his enemies as he's making progress. So, so here's my question to you. What do you do when you're making progress for God, but you get an invitation from the enemy? What do you do because you're making great progress. You're, you're praying. You're reading the word. It's not a lot, but it's still consistent. You're reading. You're worshiping. You're taking your time. You're seeking God. And as you're doing good, the enemy is kind of like, like, like Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem. And they're like, let's talk. Because that's what the enemies are doing. Like, like Sanballat and all that, they can't get into Jerusalem because the walls are up right now. And they're about to set in the doors. So they can't just go attack head on. They're on the outside saying, let's talk. Let's talk. Has the enemy been inviting you to say, let's talk? Let's talk? Let's talk. Let's talk about the situation that you're in. And let's think about every worst case scenario that's going to happen. And you don't see no way out of this season of your life because you feel so trapped. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's think about all the people that ever left you, mistreated you, messed you up, made you the worst person in the world. And let's just realize that they are happy by themselves. They got another relationship maybe. And they're on an island driving a Bugatti. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk talk about the stuff that you don't have. Because you don't have enough or you're not enough. And let's compare it to everybody else on Instagram. See what they have. And try to see their highlight reel to your everyday life. Let's talk. Let's talk. And Nehemiah is like, oh no. He's like, oh no, put your hand down. He's like, oh no. No. I don't have time for this. Because Nehemiah, after four messages, four of them, Four, like four, like you know how someone just keeps texting you, but you told them, I can't talk right now, I can't talk right now, and they keep going and keep going, and you're like, I just want to sleep. I'm in bed right now, it's 10.30, go to bed. 
It's four messages, but he replied the same exact way. And it taught me something. It showed me something. And this is my first point. This is my first point. This is what it showed me. Just because he invites you, the devil, doesn't mean you have to go. That's so simple, man. It's not really that simple if you keep letting those doors open. Or you have not let those walls keep it sustained. Because all for some of us, all the devil needs to do is say, let's talk. Let's talk about how weak you are. Let's talk about how not enough you might feel. Let's talk. Let's talk about this. Because he sees that you're making progress for God. And he sees that you are getting farther in your relationship with him. Now, if you don't belong to Jesus, then you've got to go. Because I'm not talking about out of here. Stay here. <laughs> I'm talking about I'm talking about if you belong to Jesus, then you've got to re- you got to take the inv- in, uh, the invitation. Because you're a slave because that that person that doesn't belong to Jesus is a slave to sin. So they have to go. They have to take the invitation. But if you are in Christ, you are not under the jurisdiction of the oppression of the enemy. You're not under the jurisdiction. And so the reason why is that, and I want to show you this. If he, I want to read this right. If he, where am I, where am I at? I found it. Found it. So he can't create a jurisdiction. So the devil can't tell you what to think or do if you are in Jesus. He can only invite you. He cannot bring you out of a heavenly seat with God and bring you down to the lowest apart feeling sorry for yourself. He can't do that unless you let him. How's your soul? How's that city? Has the devil told you that you will never be what God's called you to be, you're going to be like every other cousin, whatever, whatever the scenario is, that you'll never measure up to what you really want to be, what you're really called to be. It won't work. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's have a conversation. But that's all the devil can do. Y'all hear me? That's all the devil can do. He can't demand you to go to him. He can only make a suggestion. He can only make a suggestion. But he cannot tell you where to go, what to say, what to do. He can't do that to you. If you are in Christ, he cannot let you do anything. He can only give a suggestion or invite you into it. And you got to be like Nehemiah and say, oh, no. Like the plane of, oh, no. Oh, no. I'm doing a great work for God, and God's doing a great work in me. So I don't have time for this invitation. Because if I get in that invitation, if I get back into that way of thinking, if I get back into that way of dark thoughts, I'm going to constantly be in a loop of stress and anxiety because I'm opening my doors to someone that is not God. I'm letting Sanballat in. I'm letting Tobiah in. I'm letting Geshep in. I'm not talking about real people. We don't fight against flesh and blood. I'm talking about your Sanballats of self-pity. I'm talking about your Tobiah of temptation. And I'm talking about your Geshem of grumbling. That's what I'm talking about. That, those enemies. 
those enemies. So the devil can't really make you do anything. Well, the devil made me do it. No, you're, look, I, I think you went to beat ups. I think you bought 15 wings. I think you ate all of them. And I don't think the devil put it on a receipt or paid for it. And I'm saying that in a food reference because we can go deeper than that. We can go a lot more intense than that. I don't think the devil made you do things that, that you thought, oh, the devil made me do it. And we can talk about that another time. But let me tell you something. When you are in Christ, when you are in God, when you are a child, when you know who you are and you know God, you don't have to receive that invitation from the enemy. That should be exciting, right? Not sometimes, because I let him in sometimes. I let him in. He can't really do anything unless I leave the door open. Unless I leave the door open. Because it's funny, you only get an invitation from the enemy when you're making progress. I don't know if that's for you. But every time I'm making progress for God, every time I'm getting to a point where I'm getting deeper with him, the enemy sends an invitation of doubt, scarcity, weakness, impulses, all of these things. While I'm making progress, he always sends an invitation to tell me how weak I am. How crazy is that? You're making progress. I want you to know that in this room, some of you are genuinely making progress but you fall down back in the same pit because you have received and accepted the invitation of the enemy saying, let's talk, let's talk. You know the devil only fights you in the dark, not in the light. I'm not talking about physical light. I'm talking about in dark places. I talked about that last week, dark places. He only fights you in the dark. He doesn't fight you in the light. That's where God is. And that's in you. But while it's dark, what are you doing with these walls. Like, like when you're making straight progress, you're doing really, really good. Like, I'm going to read more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to forgive this person. I'm going to do this and do that. I'm going to forgive this person. And then you see them. Oh, man. I forgot what they did <laughs> until I saw them again. And, and you're making progress. It's like Pharaoh. When Pharaoh uh, left the Israelites and they were like, you know, let them go. As they were making progress to the Red Sea, he was like, hmm. God hardened his heart to make, the, to make it work. But Pharaoh was like, hmm, I don't want to let them go yet. Because they were almost gone. You're making progress. God wanted me to tell you, you are literally at the end of it. You're almost there. But you're like the Israelites where you see that Red Sea. Like I've talked about in Waymaker. You see that Red Sea and Pharaoh's changing his mind. And you're making progress. You're making great progress. Yet you receive an imitation of the enemy. That's what Nehemiah was dealing with right now. He's doing great. He's, he's making it work. And what's funny, here's what's funny. The sand ballots, the, the Tobias and the Geshems, all of those enemies, they were a little nervous because they knew if Jerusalem had the walls and the doors, all of the trades would come through safely through Jerusalem and not through Sambal and all of them. What it's doing, go sit down, Bubba. Oh, they got to go. Okay, cool. I'll see y'all later. Love y'all. So, so, so what's happening is that he, so they see him making the wall 
and they know if he makes this wall, great trades will go through there because it's safe because there's walls. Sambal and all of them, they didn't have great walls. So it was always, trades were always stolen. So now that Nehemiah is making the wall again, Sambal and all of them, they are pissed because they know they're about to lose a lot of good trades. So they're saying, let's talk about this. Let's talk about it. It's not a big deal. Let's just talk about it. Because the devil knows that you are at your last brink of breakthrough, and yet he sees that you're making good trades, and he can't take those good trades anymore. So he's like, let's talk. Let's talk about it. Come on, man. What is it? Let's just talk about it. Let's just talk about it. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm making great progress. I'm making great progress. You are making great progress. And so you have every responsibility to tell the devil as no, as much as you want. Because all he can do is, is, is give a suggestion, but he can't command you. Does anybody know what a subpoena is? Okay. I thought about that the other day. I was like, I was like the devil is just, a, he's just an inviter, not a subpoena. He can't subpoena you. What that means is he can't take control of what you do and say. He can't do that. He can only make suggestions because you don't belong to him anymore. And the question is, how is he getting in your house? How is he cooking your food? How is he, why is he taking poops on the carpet like a dog? I'm just making it funny. Why is he, why is he messing with your clothes? Why is he telling you all these things? Why is he wrecking your house called your soul? Why is he wrecking the city? Why is he, why is he this almost like a terrorist of your city called your soul. Why is he doing that? My second point is, yeah, second point, the devil wants you to crack the door open. So your doors are built, making great progress. You're shielded by evilness. You're not, you're not making walls because you don't like people. Not because, oh, it's not about that. You're making walls so that evil doesn't come in. That's what the walls are for. That's what the doors are for. And you're making great progress. The devil, y'all, let me tell you this. The devil is a grappler. The devil knows how to grapple. He doesn't need you to swing the, the door wide open. All he needs is a little crack through the door. And he's running in like a hyena, bro, just like out there. So is your door, is it open or shut? Is it, is it? Is it, are you just trusting anything that comes your way? Or are you so not trustworthy of anything and anybody that it is so tight shut that you might not even, not might even be able to receive blessings from God? Oh yeah, there's two ways. So, so let, let me put it in regular terms. Let me put it in like generic terms. How is your social media intake? That's so generic, Jacob. Some of us, some of us have a, have, have problems and insecurities with comparison because of who we see on a screen. And it doesn't really make any sense because it's not really their life. They're just showing you what they want to show you. That's really all it is. They're just showing you what they want to show you. So you are watching, overstimulating yourself with all of this fantasy. And now your walls are kind of cracked. And the doors are kind of busted open a little bit because people keep kicking your door. But what is your intake? 
Now, if it's wide open, I'm that type of person where I just let anything in. I trust everybody. I love everybody. I love Sometimes it's not that you don't love anybody. Christ calls us to love people. That's that's a command. But to negotiate and 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 get close to someone who's not come on y'all. In the same not the same level. You're not better than anybody else. But the thing is is that what is good for you? Your door. Your door, your soul, your Jerusalem. That's what I'm talking about. Who what do you let in? Because I'm not just talking about people. Yes, we can we can go on a whole rant about people. But we can really go on a rant on our thoughts and how we feel about things. Because we feel a lot. I feel a lot. Ask Sarah. I feel everything, bro. I am a feeling fanatic sometimes. She doesn't believe me. She does. I'm a feeling fanatic because, because my personality wants to experience things, not just be bland. I want to experience stuff. But that can be a trap. So if I feel anything, I'm going to make a decision about it. Ah, I'm going to make a decision. But the devil wants you to crack the door open. Because you belong to the light and not the darkness, you don't have to accept the invitation from the enemy. You are, you have light. Like I talked about last week, you have light. So you don't belong so because you don't belong, you don't have to receive it. You don't have to take it. You don't have to say yes. You do not belong in that, so you don't have to say yes to it. And I'm telling y'all, it feels good to say no to sand ballots, to Tobiah, to your enemies. Not just the devil, but sometimes your own soul is against you sometimes. And what do I mean by this? I mean that there are certain scriptures that you can apply that somebody else can't really use it because they don't call on his name. You can call on the name of Jesus when you're dealing with this type of stuff. Put up 1 John 4, 4. 1 John 4, 4. You belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over the people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Bless you. Bless you. God bless you. So, so the devil's like, hey, let's talk. Let's talk about how weak you are. Oh no, greater is he that is in me than he has in the world. So he can come with an invitation, but I have this to back me up because that's not who I am. This is who I am. Greater is he that is in me. So you can use this type of stuff to combat the enemy's invitations and accusations against you. You can work these things out. And you have power. You have to understand this. You have power. You are doing a great work for God. And you got to talk yourself into it sometimes too. Don't just feel like, oh, God's just going to magically affirm all these things. No, sometimes it's like, I'm doing a great work for God. He's doing a great work in me. I'm doing what I'm supposed to. So devil, you give me an invitation of let's talk about how stupid I am, about how weak I am, about how insecure I am, about how, how jacked up my mind is. But, oh no, I'm doing a great work and God lives in me and I am not 
going to accept this invitation. You got to be like Nehemiah where you're saying, oh no, I'm doing a great work. He's doing a great work in me. I belong to the king. I don't need to jump into those places. I don't need to jump into those places. You can tell me all you want, devil. You can tell me all you want about what you think about me. But I'm not going. You don't have to go. You don't have to go. And I've learned something about doors. We are so focused on when the enemy attacks us that we don't recognize that we didn't even put the doors up. So what I'm saying is, is that instead of focusing on the enemy attacking you, focus on what you can do to prevent it firsthand. Put up those walls in Jerusalem, Nehemiah. Put those walls up first. Put the doors up. Put the thing that God has told you to defend. Because sometimes church culture will teach you, no, be, be honest with everyone. Be, 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 be open as a butterfly because God's open with you and all the shenanigans. But sometimes I need to put up those walls. And sometimes I need to protect myself from a place where I'm going to get attacked by the enemy. Not just my people. You can, we can handle that in a certain type of way. But you have to fight the enemy not hand-to-hand. You're only human. You can't take that. It's not the enemy fighting the enemy hand-to-hand. That's not what you're supposed to do. That's why God tells you to guard your heart above all else. Above all else. Basically what it's saying is that if you don't guard your heart, but you're guarding everything else, you got the wrong priorities. You got to guard your heart above all else. And this is where the enemy has a very hard time. Because listen, y'all, let me be honest. The thoughts will never stop. The attacks of the enemy will never stop. How many, how many, how many messages that Nehemiah have? Four. And even with the four, they still tried to attack him. Even though he had the walls built. Even though he was putting in the door. So you can't just think that spiritual attacks and spiritual warfare just leaves you all the time. It, sometimes it doesn't stop. But that's why. That's why God has given you the grace and the sufficiency and the ability to be mayor of your soul and to guard that city. He has given you responsibility over that. Doing a great work for God. I'm doing a great work. I got to tell myself that sometimes. And sometimes you got to tell yourself that too because nobody's going to say it for you. You got to tell yourself, I'm doing a great work for God. And he's doing a great work in me. He's doing a great work. I'm not saying people won't tell you how good you're doing. I just started with my team. My, my team probably knows. I've been telling them they've been doing a good job. Not because of a, of, of, a, of, a, of a checklist, but something feels great about knowing that you're doing a good job. Something's great about knowing from someone maybe that's the lead saying, you're doing a great job. Keep going. Something pushes you when that happens. But if you don't get it all the time, the solution is you and your soul and God You've got to tell yourself this. You've got to tell yourself this. Because, listen, nothing is vulnerable until it's valuable. Nothing is vulnerable until it's valuable. 
So the enemy sees you as vulnerable because he ha- there's something in you that's valuable. And if he sees something that's valuable, he's going to turn to violence. A bunch of V's. He's going to go from, he sees that you were not vulnerable until you started putting the walls up. Until you stopped listening to every attack that the enemy was throwing at you. And once you started doing that, he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. You're supposed to, I thought we were homeboys. Because if you if you let the devil do whatever you want with your flesh, that's fine. He'll 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 give you sunscreen. He'll let you when you're when you're suntan. He'll he'll rub sunscreen on you. He'll do anything for you. The devil will do anything for you if it gratifies the flesh. He's gonna open every single door. He's gonna open every single door that's gonna gratify you. Where it brings you into misery. So, so. Now you have to put the walls up and you got to die to your flesh, crucify that and let God reign over your soul as you learn to defend it. As you learn to defend it. The attack Nehemiah went through only happened because the doors weren't built up yet. Where are your doors? God bless you. Where are your doors? Where is the line of defense? Because here's what happens, and I've learned this in my life. I blame God for the attack. I blame others for the attack. But I don't uh, keep myself accountable for the doors that are just out of the way. I've got to sometimes, because, because, because we blame, obviously, it's human nature. We blame because we don't know where to put it yet. Because because something has happened to me and I don't know who to put this on. I don't because we don't go to us because it's happening to us. So I'm not gonna think, oh, I wanted to do this to myself and I wanted to let my thoughts go this crazy and I just wanted to I just wanted to have a spasm attack in my in my brain. No. We don't blame ourselves first, so we Oh, the devil sent these thoughts. The devil sent these thoughts. Sometimes it's your own pathway of thinking sometimes that's going to try and put you in insecurity. It's not always the devil. Sometimes it's the devil. Sometimes it's the sand ballot. But sometimes it is sometimes you, Tobiah, Geshem of Arab. Sometimes it's you. And the hardest part is to let down pride. Trust me, y'all. This is very hard for me. This is very hard. I love being proud. I love being proud because it's a happy emotion. It's a happy emotion. But sometimes pride has to drop for the humility to kick in to know, man, I went into self-pity. Not because I meant it, but because it was the only option I felt like I had to get into. And the enemy will bring you into a place of taking you out let's talk and then he'll put you in self-pity and then he'll put you in temptations and then he'll put you in the place of grumbling and the reason why i keep talking about how you respond is because of the way nehemiah responded i want to show you this at the end of this message the doors are not in place i want to go back to chapter seven as i end this nehemiah chapter seven verse one through three after the walls were finished i had a set up the doors and the gates. 
the gatekeepers, singers, Levites were appointed. I gave the responsibility of governing Jerusalem to my brother Hananiah, along with Hananiah. So imagine this. I was going to do an illustration, but I need to finish. So we got Hananiah right here and Hananiah right here, guards of the gates. So, so here's what's funny. Watch this. So you got the door. You got Hananiah and Hananiah on each end guarding the door. This is what Nehemiah says that shocks me. Do not leave the gates open during the hottest part of the day. Even with the gatekeepers on duty, have them shut in the bars doors. But here's the thing. Why? You're supposed to leave the doors open when the sun comes out. And he's saying don't have it at the hottest part of the day, which means noon. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? They're under attack right now. He has the door shut because they're under attack. They're in the dark right now. And they have to keep these doors shut, even though their natural tendency is to keep doors open at the hottest part of the day. And the Lord wants you to know something. Because you're not supposed because you're under attack right now. Some of us are under attack right now. And the Lord wants you to know this. Keep the doors shut while it's dark. Keep the doors shut while it's dark. Keep the gates shut until you have light. Until you have light. Don't expose your city when it's dark around you right now. You have to keep it closed. You got to start different. Your priorities is what's important. For example, this is a challenge that you can do. I'm not going to look at any social media post until I read a Bible verse. Because I got to start with God while it's dark. I got to keep my doors closed. Some of us need to take a sabbatical sometimes from people's opinions. You know what a sabbatical is? A whole month break. Now, I'm not saying like be like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm under attack. Don't, uh, I shut up, you shut up, you're toxic, don't talk to me. No, you don't have to do that. Don't be mean. But what I'm saying is, is that the doors need to be shut because you're under attack. Because you are being rushed with these things that the enemy has been trying to attack you with. And you have to fight him in the light. The enemy's not going to fight you in the light like I said in the beginning. He's not going to fight you in the light. Like example, I love this because, you know, when people like, like, what do you think about so-and-so? What do you think about uh, that person and this person? And all that stuff. I love this end of the scripture in verse 3 all the way at the end. It says, some will serve at century post and some in front of their own homes. They got to be at their own house. I don't have time to talk about people. I got my own wall right now. I've got my own home to defend right now. So why? Because here's what happens. Watch this. Here's, here's Here's a special nugget. When we are under attack and we're tired of dealing with our walls and doors, we will go knock on somebody else's door. And go see what they're doing. Because I'm tired of dealing with me right now. So let's see what so-and-so is doing. Let's see what so-and-so is doing. Because they got to stay at their own home. 
You're under attack right now. You don't have time to talk about people. You don't have time to look at somebody else's life because you got to worry about your own right now. You're under attack. You're under oppression. You're under depression. You're under lies. You're under weakness. You can't be going other places because, listen, it's a vacation for me when I'm in somebody else's life. It's a vacation. It is luxury. I love it. Because it gives me a break. But that's not how God wants me to deal with that. God wants me to deal with it with the doors shut. With the doors shut. Let's look at verse 3 again. This is my final point. Do not leave the gates open till the hottest part of the day. And even while the gates are on duty, have them shut the bar and doors. Another translation is have them shut up. The doors. I don't want to offend you, but I want you to do this illustration with me. I want you to put your hand over your mouth and just put it over your mouth. And I want you to know God is putting you in a season of shut up. That's not nice, Pastor Jacob. That's really mean. I know. He's talking about doors. He's not talking about your mouth. He's not talking about that. But if you say how you feel in this season, you will talk yourself right into the enemy's trap. I'm in a season of, let me be sweeter. Hush, hush. There, there. Pish, posh. Let's go sweeter. I'm very, I'm very critical of myself, so I'll be like, shut up, Jacob. Hush, hush. There, there. And he wants to put you in a season. Why? You're talking about doors, Jacob. What are you talking about? A mouth. Let me jump to Joshua chapter 6. Now Jericho was, sh- sh- this, is the, this, is the, this is the King James Version. Y'all, who's heard the King James Version before? Some of y'all? Y'all really like poetry. Joshua chapter 6 verse 1 says, Now Jericho was straightly, what's the word? What's the word? Shut. Up. But they're talking about doors, Jacob. They're talking about they're talking about Jericho. Look at verse 10. Put verse 10 up, Abby. Put verse 10 up. But Joshua commanded the army, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. Hmm. I, God's going to put me, listen, y'all, God's going to put me in a season of shut up so that he can put me in a season of shouting. He's going to put me in a season of don't say however you feel right now because you might walk yourself into the same trap. I'm just letting it out. No, 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 no. You're letting it in. You've got to not say. I have this rule with myself. I say how I feel. We have every right to say. Because it's something that's hurting us, something that's bothering us, something that's irritating us. But I give myself a timer. I give myself a timer. I give myself maybe 10 minutes. 10 minutes. I can get a lot out in 10 minutes, y'all. Look at this. I got a lot out in almost an hour, okay? I can do it. And I give myself 10 minutes. Because if I go too long and if I stay in this place of saying however I feel, the enemy will keep me isolated in this season of shut up. And God won't get me out of this season of shut up until I really do it. And so put that last verse back up. I have to listen to Joshua and wait 
to war cry when he tells me to shout. You can think of this as God. God is telling you, shh, shh. Because if you really dive into what you're saying, your words have power. And you're going to be in a season of shouting if you would learn first to have a season of hush, hush. He's going to bring you out. He did it to Jer- he did it to Nehemiah. He can do it for you. But you have to not. You got to keep the doors shut. You got to keep the doors shut. You've got to keep the doors shut. You've got to keep the doors shut. Sometimes you have to keep the doors shut and not just let anything in. That's a blind trust. Now, if you are like, I don't trust anybody because I'm like that. I am like that. Like if if I don't genuinely really know you, now as a pastor, I know I need to reach out. But in my regular, regular Jacob, not pastor, but sometimes just Jacob, Mimi, sometimes I'm just like, like, I'll go into Target and not look at anybody. Like, like you know how some people are just very chatty with everyone else? And I'm just like, like, I went to Dollar General and this, and this lady was taking forever to get out of the, I, I was like, I'm just, I'm just buying an air freshener for my car. Can you like, hurry? she bought the whole store. So I'm just sitting there and I'm just like, I'm just standing there and I'm just like, lady, in my head, I'm like, Jacob, you, you got to give your compassion compassion. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. It's not your salvation. I'm like, thanks, Jacob. Like, yeah. Thanks for telling me it's salvation. Yeah, I don't know it's salvation. Yeah, I know that if I don't buy this air freshener, it's not salvation. So stop telling me that because I already know that. And let me complain. But it's a funny analogy. But if I say everything I feel right now, oh no. I might put myself in the devil's hands. It's not, I'm not telling you to be like, oh, hush, hush. You're always complaining. Stop being sensitive. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you got something inside of you that you have to protect. It's your door. And if you would let God put you and keep you in the season of shut up, then he can bring you to a season of shouting, worship, victory. He can put you in that place. If you would let him take you through the season of shut up, he will put you in a season of shouting. Bow your heads, I'm done. Bow your heads. Bow your heads, I'm done. I hope that word spoke to you. Because improvise, improvise. I like it. For some of us, I, I just I hope that this message, even though it was a it was an extension of last week, I want you to know that you have a great responsibility in your life to guard your heart above all else. That's what the scripture says. Guard your heart above all else. And I want to encourage you to be like Nehemiah where you're doing a great work for God. The enemy's trying to invite you to get into a a thought process of doubt, uh, an emotional process of not being enough. He wants to get you into a place where where your motives start changing and it's not for God anymore. It's really more for you. And he's trying to put you in a place of an invitationless talk. But you got to put, you got to close those doors. 
you got to keep those walls up. You got to keep those walls up. Maybe in the season of your life, maybe you're going through depression. You got to shut the door while it's dark. Because if you let this depression overtake you, you will open the door. Not just open it, but you will crack the door. You will crack the door. So the Lord wants to deal. No, the Lord doesn't just want to deal. He wants to rebuild your soul. He wants to build your soul. Because when you got saved, he set you free from things that you didn't like, obviously. But there are some things right now that the Lord is saving you from that you do like. That you do enjoy. And he wants you to be free from the majority. Whole. Like, like, like in the scripture where it talks about a person of integrity. Whole. Not that you're a hypocrite, but you are one person everywhere. Whole. You're not trying to be something else. You're whole. Your soul is a city. And you have to learn, what are you doing with these doors? Father, I pray for every soul that does not have a door in this room. Lord, that there are no borders up right now. And the enemy can just do whatever he wants with their minds, with their emotions, with their will. He can toy with their soul. But Lord, I ask that you would would help them realize that there needs to be a door to where I can can say whatever comes in and out of my city. That what comes in and out is ran by me and you, Lord. Let this be a collaboration of the city called my soul. And that I would rejoice in knowing now knowing now I don't have to respond to him like now I don't have to respond to childishness I don't have to respond to things that make me feel the worst in the world that I don't have to accept this invitation that this invitation is only an invitation and it's not a command so father I ask Lord that you would give us you would get us free of deception of knowing that this is only an invitation from the enemy and that we don't have to accept it because we are in you. We are your children. We are your inheritance. We are in Jesus. So we don't have to accept it. So Lord, I pray that you would help us be on guard this week. Lord, what are we saying? What are we seeing? Lord, what are we thinking? Lord, what are we hearing? What doors need to be open and what doors need to be closed? Father, I thank you for the revelation of knowing it's my door. It's not my homie's door. It's not my pastor's door. It's my door that you have given me responsibility through the power of the Holy Spirit and through your grace as the empowerment for me to do it. I'm going to take the responsibility. So Father, I ask that you would help us understand the doors in our life. And I will help us understand that there needs to be some walls that need to be built up. Not not because we don't trust anyone, but Lord, evilness can't come no more. Evilness does not belong in a child of God no more. Evilness, darkness, all these things do not belong to me anymore. You are the one that can take care of my door, take care of these walls. Lord, we need you. Let me start with you this week. Let me, instead of rambling on different other things, whether it's my phone, whether it's, whether it's my, my computer at work, Lord, I need you, Lord, 
I need to put you first this week so that my doors can be installed, to where my walls can be put together. I need that right now. And somebody else as well needs this tonight. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. And thank you for helping us realize that we need to know that this is our door and we don't have to receive the invitation from the enemy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.